We've reached the last mock draft Monday of the 2022 season. The Seahawks have a pick at number nine overall, but John Schneider might be thinking about getting back into the first round for a second selection. Which teams could be potential suitors when we get to the draft on Thursday night? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it down on the latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's hard to believe, but we have officially reached the final Mock Draft Monday of the 2022 draft season. First round coming up on Thursday night, only a few short days away from the real deal. We've been having mock drafts and going through prospect profiles, breaking down team needs for what feels like it's been about half a year. But we finally have made it to the real deal. So today, we're going to be looking at some of the final mock drafts out there from the experts on the internet. Rob and I are going to be revisiting a few of our day three selections from our dual mock draft. And we're going to break down some potential trades the Seahawks could make to get back into the first round for a second selection. Jam-packed episode coming your way. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. We finally reached the last Mock Draft Monday in the pre-draft cycle, Rob. And with that, as expected, a bazillion Mock Drafts came out this weekend, a bunch of them today as well, the final mock drafts, the ones that undoubtedly are going to be 100% correct, hit the internet today. And so usually we save this for the middle of the show, but with this being the last mock draft Monday of the offseason, we're going to take a close look now at a few of the new mock drafts that came out today. And I want to start with Peter King because in today's era, very few experts are limited to one mock draft, but Peter King being the old school football reporter that he is, is still sticking with just one mock draft in every cycle. And he had the Seahawks taking Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon at pick number 13, not only fall, falling to them at number nine, they trade down with the Texans to number 13 to get an extra third round pick and then pick Thibodeau, a player that for most of the pre-draft cycle was viewed as a surefire top five pick. But Peter King has him getting him at 13. He does, and that's a fascinating selection uh, for lots of different reasons, Corbin. I mean, as you just mentioned, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau was basically, you know, expected to be one of the, the first selection, maybe second or third overall selection in this year's draft. I mean, after all, uh, right up above my shoulder here on the cover of Lindy Sports Magazine, um, one of the most accurate magazines when it comes to projecting who players are go where players are going to go in each year's draft. And I still expect Kayvon Thibodeau to wind up going that high. But there is some buzz out there that the Thibodeau may start to fall down the board. He does not have the production that you might expect for a guy of his talent. Obviously, there's been some questions about, um, you know, does his motor run hot the entire time? 
if, if Seattle is able to trade down, and we've talked about that scenario a lot, um, then, then if they are able to get a guy like Thibodeau at that point, then yeah, I think that that's an absolute slam dunk selection. In my opinion, there are eight elite prospects, blue chip prospects in this draft class. I have Thibodeau as being one of them. I think if Thibodeau is available to them at number nine overall, which obviously was in Peter King's draft, then I think Seattle just stays right there and makes that selection. But there are a couple of different players in Peter King's mock draft that I think that are among the eight elite players. And so if that is the case, and there are multiple players among the elite eight in this draft class, then yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world for Seattle to drop down slightly, be able to acquire an extra draft pick, and then still be able to get one of those elite edge rushers. Sign me up. And I like how King put it in his mock draft that this would be a perfect Pete Carroll pick. You're picking a kid from California. He's staying in the Pacific Northwest. You know he's going to be furious falling outside of the top 10. There's going to be a major chip on his shoulder. That's the kind of guy Pete Carroll's wanting. So you know Pete Carroll. If he could get him at 13, even at number nine, I think Thibodeau would feel slighted given his talent. And so that's the kind of pick that Pete Carroll gets fired up about and wants to add those kind of players to his team. Somebody that's going to be hungry and be motivated that feels like I didn't get picked as early as I should have. And so that would be an ideal scenario for Seattle. I'm with you. I don't think it happens. I don't think he falls that far in the draft. But if he does, that is one of the players that I think John Schneider is going to be very hesitant to trade down. In fact, I think he's going to be pretty quick getting that draft card turned in to pick him. Another one that I found very interesting Mel Kuyper from ESPN. Everybody knows Mel Kuyper. He's been around for three decades as one of the top uh, draft analysts out there. And he has the Seahawks going a far different direction at pick number nine. Another player that I think you and I would agree, the chances of him being there at nine seem slim. But if Evan Neal is available, that is another one of those players. Six foot seven, 337 pounds, really athletic for his size. I mean, he looks almost like he's ripped. Like you don't see offensive linemen that are built like that. Just a phenomenal talent, great athlete, and has played guard. He's played tackle. I think he can play left tackle at the next level. Just a fantastic talent. We know they need tackles. If he's there at number nine, that's another player where John Schneider is going to be rushing to the phone to call in their selection and make sure that Evan Neal comes to Seattle to protect whoever's going to be the quarterback in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, the only caveat I would say to that, Corbin, is if Evan Neal has dropped that far, then it's not questions about the want to. It's not questions about the motor. It's medical questions. And uh, I do think that that Seattle um, has shown their aggression when it comes to selecting players who maybe have a little bit of a questionable, uh, you know, medical past. Um, but what about Evan Neal strikes you as being, or strikes anyone, frankly, as being a medical question, considering that he started every game of his college career. He's moved along to three different positions, uh, guard, right tackle, and left tackle. Um, and, and so to me, that yeah, I think that he is an absolute slam dunk selection. But if he was to start to slide, that would be the one thing that would be a little bit concerning here is that there must be some type of medical concern that NFL teams have. Um, but again, I, I think that just in terms of talent, in terms of need, yeah, that would be another one of those elite eight prospects I mentioned before. And just, just to be clear, it's the four edge rushers that we've talked about, the two offensive tackles that we've talked about, the two cornerbacks that we've talked about. Evan Neal certainly is chief among them. He's my number two rated overall player in this draft class. Kayvon Thibodeau, we talked about him before, is my number three overall 
rated player in this draft class. So yeah, if Seattle is able to get either one of them at number nine or in a trade down scenario, again, I think that's a slam dunk for the Seahawks. One last one that I want to go over, Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports. He is the exact opposite of Peter King, and this is not a bad thing. You and I both do a bunch of mock drafts too, but Ryan Wilson kicks one out pretty much every week starting in mid-December all the way up to the draft. And so he's had a lot of different takes on who the Seahawks might pick with their number nine selection since they acquired it from the Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade. He did a two-round mock draft. And if you've listened to our show, you're probably going to be thinking while I'm going through the three players you picked, man, Corbin's going to love this draft. And you're absolutely right. In the first round, picking Derek Stingley, the corner out of LSU, outstanding man cover corner, great ball skills, probably would have been a top three pick after his true freshman season was phenomenal for LSU, has had a few injuries the last couple of years, but still an incredible prospect of the cornerback position that really is scheme flexible. You can put him in any system, and I think he's going to be successful. And then the second round at pick 40 and 41, Ryan Wilson had the Seahawks taking Sam Howell, the quarterback out of North Carolina, and Boye Mafe, the edge rusher out of Minnesota, two players that have really jumped up my draft board during this entire process. Mafe, a freak athlete, has a 42-inch vertical jump, really good straight line speed, a better hand technician than advertised. And Sam Howell, really athletic quarterback, almost 900 rushing yards last year. And he's got a Howard surfer in arm. This is a guy that can launch the ball downfield. We know the Seahawks like taking their shots. They have really good receivers on the deep ball. You need a quarterback that can get the football to him. So I've always thought Sam Howell might be a good fit for the Seahawks in this draft class. So of these three, obviously we don't have second round picks for the other two drafts we looked at, but this would be, in my opinion, a pretty darn ideal draft class for the Seahawks in the first two rounds. Yeah, the one thing I would say is that I still would have a little bit of concern at the left tackle position, but perhaps Seattle would be bringing back Dwayne Brown, and, and Ryan Wilson may be thinking that exact same type of scenario, but there's no question about it. I mean, you get Derek Stingley, who is, again, one of those top eight guys, in my opinion, in this year's draft class. I think if any one of those top eight players is available to Seattle at number nine overall, that is your selection. Um, so including Stingley, including Sauce Gardner, who I realize the cornerback has not been a priority for Seattle, um, you know, but at the same time, they've never drafted this early, except for the year they took Russell Okung. And oh, by the way, they took a free safety in Earl Thomas just a couple of selections later, at number 14 overall. So this team is willing to invest that type of capital in a defensive back if he is special and Stingley is special. And so I, I do think that that is absolutely in play. You know that Pete Carroll is going to have a different level of insight given his background with the former LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. And then Boye Mafe and Sam Howe were absolutely spectacular at the Senior Bowl. Again, we know Seattle's history of drafting players highly um, that, that perform very well in Mobile. You and I have both really touted the fit with Sam Howe. Best deep ball in this draft class. Underrated athlete, as you said, three-year starter that basically put North Carolina on his shoulders this past season. Yeah, I think that Ryan Wilson does a heck of a job of, of uh, you know, making sure that he drafted several of Seattle's biggest areas concerned. And then again, the great Peter Pete, uh, King, Peter King, excuse me, and the great Mel Kuyper Jr. I mean, they don't even need uh, any type of introduction. They do great work. And so again, I think if any one of those players that these three men have selected for Seattle at number nine or in a possible trade down is actually available, yeah, write it down. That's going to be Seattle's selection. 
Last week, we conducted the first three rounds of our annual dual mock draft. We're going to go through our selections in the fourth and fifth round here on our final mock draft Monday show of the year. We'll be getting to those three selections here in a moment. Before we break down our picks in the fourth and fifth round, I want to talk to you about a product that me and my fiance have been trying out every day. We started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because we wanted an easy, delicious way to improve our gut health, and we found it. One delicious scoop out of this green canister of AG1, it's basically turned into my rocket fuel. You could be absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus, and most importantly, your aging. I certainly need that help. It's lifestyle friendly. We drink it first thing in the morning, even before we have our coffee. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. We've experienced better, sounder sleep and recovery. It supports mental clarity and Good thing for me, alertness. Athletic Greens doesn't just make it easy to get healthy. It's easy to get access to as well. That's because Athletic Greens is going to give a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. We are at the final Mock Draft Monday of the 2022 offseason. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Coming up for the first time ever on Thursday, Locked On is going to be hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from their studios in Dallas. Pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts and draft gurus. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts on Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Available on Lockdown NFL on YouTube and on the Odyssey app. All right, Rob, it's time to get back to our dual mock drafts. We had the longest gap between day two and day three in NFL draft history. We finished recapping our third round picks on our Wednesday episode last week and then we had to take a little bit of a hiatus, but it's back to the draft board, and we're going to the fourth round. The Seahawks holding their native pick, number 109. Looking at the selections that we made in the fourth round, we both decided to go with cornerbacks, and I don't believe either one of us picked a corner in those first three rounds, so this is not surprising at all. And we both get corners that, for a number of different reasons, fit what the Seahawks have looked for in the past, and you get to bring in a local kid in Jalen Watson from Washington State. Yeah, he is a local kid. Um, you know, obviously starred for the Cougars, but at the same time, he originally had agreed to play at USC. Um, so just to kind of give people an idea out there about how uh, highly regarded he was a- as a prep prospect, he-, he comes to Washington State, and and basically all he does, you can see that for those people watching on YouTube, you can see the number he wore, number zero. That's how many touchdown receptions that he wanted to give up this past season. That was basically the bold statement that he said prior to the year he was very very close to that this past season earned himself an invitation to the senior bowl where he was one of the most underrated performers of all the prospects in via mobile goes into the the nfl combine and as a 6'2 200 plus pounder 
winds up running in the high four fours, low four fives, does the exact same thing at the, the Pullman uh, Pro Day workout that I was there to attend. Watch the way that that he encouraged his, uh, you know, the rest of his former Washington State teammates. Corbin, I, I see a guy with the length, the physicality, uh, you know, the, the speed, the all the intangibles that you're looking for. I, I think that people nationally are kind of sleeping on this prospect. I, I think that he is a guy who's going to be selected among the top 75 to 80 selections. So if he is available here at number 100 or so overall in the fourth round, then yeah, I, I think that Jalen Watson absolutely would be a prospect that the Seahawks would be very, very strongly considering. I kind of merge the corners that the Seahawks have picked for most of the Pete Carroll era with more man coverage in mind. And the fact that they have picked a little different corners in recent seasons. We saw uh, Trey Brown last year, not as big, not as long, but had a lot of the athletic metrics they're looking for. And Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State. Some of our listeners can be like, but the Seahawks don't draft small school guys. They normally don't, but this is one of the better classes that I've seen having FCS players come in that could be picked on day two. There's like four or five of them that could be gone in the first three rounds. And I think McCollum is one of them that could sneak into the end of the third round because he's got a lot of stuff that teams are looking for in the modern NFL. 6'2", 200 pounds, not as long as you would think. His arms are under 31 inches in length, but he plays like he's got longer arms. Ran a 4-3-3, had a vertical of almost 40 inches at the combine. This guy is a freak athlete that's got great size. He plays with physicality on the outside, and he has, yeah, played FCS competition, but this is another kid that had an opportunity to really prove himself at the Senior Bowl, and he stepped up the occasion against top-notch competition. I think that this is a kid that is trending upward going into this draft, and you look at the speed and the athleticism coupled with his size. Pete Carroll loves those mid-round guys that check off those boxes, and I think this is a kid that could be a good man cover corner at the next level while still offering a lot of the physical traits the Seahawks are looking for. So I'm going with Zion McCollum at pick number 109. Now, let's go to our next pick here. In the fifth round, the Seahawks with back-to-back picks at 152. You and I went in quite different directions on this particular pick. I grabbed Luke Fortner, the center out of Kentucky, and you picked Amari Barno, the lean athletic pass rusher from Virginia Tech. And I think you and I would both agree looking at both of these picks that we made, at least in my opinion, I think both these guys are gone well before pick 152. So if you can get them at this place in the fifth round, you're getting a starter caliber player middle of day three. That is an absolute steal. Well, it is a steal. And that is, uh, I, I think, a little bit of the, you know, the, the struggle I had with this particular exercise is, of course, we are alternating who is going to have the, the top pick. And we are going off of what the draft network said might be available rather than just kind of doing a Seahawk mock draft and saying, these are the players that, and the positions that we think that they're going to focus in on. I, I think that Amari Barno, for example, is very likely, as you just said, Corbin, with both these players, very likely to be off the board. They're just when you see a guy who has twitch as an edge rusher um, that is available that late in the draft that also winds up running in the four fours that winds up having a you know explosive leaper and a guy that not only has 
flashes explosiveness upfield as a pass rusher. Also shows good instincts, good arm length, and, and good hand-eye coordination to, to knock down balls at the line of scrimmage. I think that that's something that Seattle is going to be considering. And then really quickly on your last lecture with Zion McComb, I, we agreed before we even got on camera that, that I wasn't going to do this. But one other thing I wanted to mention about McComb and why I agree with you that he would be somebody that, that Seattle would be considering is that he does, he's a ball magnet. I mean, in terms of the forced fumbles, in terms of the interceptions, and he also is a spectacular athlete. His father played in the NBA after all. So again, I think those are the types of athletes that Seattle is going to be looking at. That's why I think that a player like Amari Barno, while he is light, he is really narrow in the hips. He looks more like a safety than an edge rusher. But at the same time, talk about guys that can move, Barno can do that. I like him as a fit in a 3-4 scheme, too. When you're talking about an overhang linebacker, because like you said, he looks like a safety. This is a guy that should have the athleticism to be able to drop back in coverage when you need him to. And he's also going to be so explosive off the edge in wide nine that he should be a problem. I, I really wanted to address the interior offensive line. And I think we've tried to hammer this home on the show the last couple months. I like the center class through the first five or six guys. And then there's just a huge drop-off. There's not a lot of depth at the center position in this particular class. And I think Fortner is one of those last guys in that group of five or six that has long-term starter potential. I mean, he started for three years at Kentucky. He's got almost 40 career starts under his belt in SEC play. He plays bigger than 300 pounds. Not one of those guys that come in the league, you're like, eh, 300 pounds, I'm really worried about him being able to hold his own in the trenches. This guy has taken on guys that were first, second-round picks in the SEC, and he's held his own, started a ton of games, and he's also extremely intelligent, an engineering graduate. That's the kind of guy I want calling my communication up front, a really intelligent guy that also can play with a little bit of nastiness, has some technical refinement. That's a guy that can come in day one and compete for a starting job, even with Blythe coming in as a free agent, I think that Luke Fortner is absolutely a player that on day one could start for the Seattle Seahawks. You get him in the middle of fifth round, that's great value. Now, we get to stay on the clock here, our last pick here in the fifth round. At pick 153, again, going in slightly different directions, but maybe two players that we haven't had much of a chance to talk about on this podcast up to this point. Yeah, for my selection, it was Romeo Dubs, um, the wide receiver out of Nevada, who unfortunately has not been able to work out for scouts um, because he suffered a, a slight injury at the Senior Bowl. Um, I just think that that's going to make him a steal when it's all said and done. You know, people might remember that uh, Bobby Wagner was not able to work out for scouts at the Combine all those years ago because he was battling a case of pneumonia. There were a lot of scouts that wound up going to his pro day at Utah State, wound up watching him running the four fours post basically a 40 inch vertical jump just really demonstrate the explosiveness that he offers dubs has that type of explosiveness at the wide receiver position but people are sleeping on him a little bit you, you watch the quarterback there carson strong at nevada a guy that says, some have bandied about as a as a possible top 100 selection well a big reason for that is because of the spectacular play that dubs was able to make um you know on the outside for him he is a guy six to 200 pounds roughly who you know runs like the wind 
wind, at least when he is healthy. I expect him to run in the high to low four, four fours to low four fives, um, jumps through the roof, has sticky hands, um, has a, a late ability to kind of adjust to the football that I really like. You see some of the, the splashy touchdown receptions that he had, not only his time in uh, at Nevada, but also in Mobile. He made some really spectacular catches where he truly plucks the ball out of the air, is able to bring it in. I think that he is another player that people are sleeping on nationally. I really think that Seattle is going to be looking to add one more wide receiver that might be able to be kind of a vertical shot uh, kind of a guy. I think that Dubs actually absolutely checks a lot of those boxes. And I went with the tight end position, which we've talked about the addition, bringing back Will Disley and the addition of Noah Fant. You still got Colby Parkinson. That's not a position that a lot of people view as an area of need, but Parkinson has not been able to stay healthy. He's had foot injuries each of his first two seasons. He's now halfway through his rookie deal already, and he's really a receiving tight end. He's improved as a blocker, but that is not especially. Daniel Bellinger, coming from San Diego State, they have been a run-first offense for a long time. This kid is a really solid run blocker. So Will Disley just re-signed him, but he's had injury history. This is a guy that you could develop for a year or two that could end up being the heir apparent for Will Disley, or you could have both of them on the roster together. I just think when you run an offense with a lot of 12 personnel, it's good to have three or four really solid tight ends. And you need to have a couple guys that can really block. And this is a kid that can get after it. He also surprised me running a four, six, three 40. He's a better athlete than people realize has soft hands. So I think this is a guy that has in the long run, maybe some starter potential. If you're running a lot of 12 personnel, a couple of years from now, we could be looking at Noah Fant and Bellinger being the two tight ends. Who knows what's going to happen with Will Disley? We know they love him. That's why they extended him. But you always got to be thinking a few years ahead when you get to this stage of the draft. And to me, Bellinger is a player that at this stage of the draft makes a lot of sense, even with the depth they have at tight end. I think he can push to get on the roster as a rookie, even with the guys that are in front of him. And those are the kind of picks you want to make once you're to the middle of the fifth round. We're going to look at our seventh round selections on our Tuesday show. We've got two picks remaining on our dual mock draft. We're almost to the end of the rainbow here as we get closer to the real deal coming up on Thursday. Speaking of that real draft, we are going to be breaking down some trade proposals. We've talked so much about the Seahawks trading down. Well, John Schneider likes to trade up too and has done it a lot in his first 12 years as the general manager of the Seahawks. We're going to look at some trade proposals to get a second first-round pick coming up here in a moment. If you're like me, we're almost to the month of May, really struggling to keep up with your New Year's resolution. I'll admit I had a whole pizza before the show, so I'm kind of going off the wayside. But Built Bar is out there to save me. We got less than 200 calories, less than five net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and it's delicious. Covered in 100% chocolate. You've got Built Bar Puffs, basically a marshmallow on steroids, a marshmallow that's just jolted with protein and delicious flavors, including banana cream pie. I'll eat two or three of them in one sitting. The perfect pre-workout or post-workout snack, or if you're not looking to annihilate your diet like I did earlier, it's a good snack to have in the evening as well. Built Bar also comes in amazing regular flavors as well. You've got peanut butter brownie, orange cream, salted caramel. They're coming out with new flavors every month. So make sure to check out Built.com and see what they're cooking up this month. Go to Built.com and enter in the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's Built.com. Enter in the code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. 
You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Mock Draft Monday edition, the last one of the 2022 offseason. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Everybody knows, Rob, that John Schneider, as much as any, any general manager in the NFL, loves to trade on draft weekend. The only man that has traded more than him in the last 13 years, Bill Belichick, the evil empire in New England. He has traded more than, than John Schneider, but that's the only one that has made more trades. And what's interesting, everybody talks about the trade downs in the first round, and John Schneider's done it a bunch. So certainly he has a propensity for doing that. He also loves to trade up to get players in the end of the first or in the second or third round. He's done it several times. We've seen with players like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Jaron Reed, Daryl Taylor a few years ago. There's been a number of instances where John Schneider has packaged a few picks to move back up in the draft. And with the number nine overall pick and having 40 and 41 in the second round, having four first and second rounders next year, He's got a ton of ammo to move back in the first round this year if there's a player they want, in particular, if there's a quarterback that they want to trade up to get and have that fifth-year option. There's a number of teams in that back 15 that could be really good suitors for the Seahawks to trade up if that right player is available. Yeah, we have un unprecedented flexibility in this year's draft class in terms of the fact that you have eight teams who, because they each have two first-round picks, that's eight teams who own half of the selections in the first round. And so, yeah, I, I'm anticipating absolute chaos. Uh, I'm anticipating a lot of teams moving up, moving down. And as you just mentioned, Corbin, by, by talking about four players that Seattle you know, traded up to get, I mean, those are some of the best players on Seattle's team or in the past with, with Jaron Reed, Daryl Taylor, and the two wide receivers and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, Seattle's track record of when they – you know, pick a player and decide, okay, he is worth going up to get. That is a pretty remarkable success rate. So sure, if Seattle is willing to package some of those selections, um, you mentioned that the two second round picks this year, number 40 and 41. And then again, all of the flexibility they have in the 2023 draft class where you have two first round picks, two second round picks. Yeah, they have an awful lot of flexibility. So you mentioned before about the fact that John Schneider is number two when it comes to trading, uh, you know, draft selections behind only Bill Belichick. Well, one of the clubs out there that has a general manager who's been in place longer than Bill Belichick, longer than John Schneider, would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And while I do think that there is a possibility that Pittsburgh actually trades up themselves, let's just imagine a scenario in which. The, all the quarterbacks that uh, that Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers, really, really like are off the board. Kenny Pickett goes early. Malik Willis goes early. And they're kind of stuck thinking, okay, we want to draft a quarterback, but we don't necessarily see a guy who is a value at number 20. Well, maybe Seattle will see uh, that value in a different player, or maybe even a quarterback as well. But I think it might be a different positional group. Um, and so what about the scenario of Seattle trading those two second round selections, number 40, number 41 overall, as well as a fourth round pick, number 109, to move all the way up to 20 
as well as pick number 84 in the third round, and then pick 208. That, if you look at the, the way that that breaks down in the Rich Hill uh, trade chart that we have kind of referred to before, a lot of NFL teams uh, use, that trade winds up working out pretty darn perfectly. Seattle actually is a minus four, but when we're talking about trades involving three draft, different draft picks, a little bit of a mad scientist kind of approach here, you're going to lose a few points here. But I think that that actually makes a little bit of sense. And it is something that Seattle has done a little bit different than what a lot of a lot of Seahawks fans out there have kind of bemoaned. Oh, Seattle's going to trade down again. No, Seattle trades up fairly aggressively and successfully as well. Yeah, that would be a really interesting one. Pittsburgh would give up 323 points, according to the Rich Hill chart. The Seahawks give three up, uh, give up 327. That is a pretty even trade. If you're within five points, especially when you're trading three picks apiece, uh, that's a pretty darn even deal. So I think that is one, if the Steelers wanted to trade down, they would absolutely consider. Of course, John Schneider with his roots being from Green Bay. The Packers have two first-rounders. They're one of the teams out there, one of the eight teams that has multiple first-round picks. They have pick number 22. They got that selection from the Raiders in the Devontae Adams trade. They need a receiver to help replace Devontae Adams, but they also would love to have a few extra draft picks. And this is about the sweet spot. I think 20 with Pittsburgh is probably a little high for Seattle to trade up. But I think 22, you start to get in the wheelhouse, and I think you can make a pretty interesting trade. In fact, based on our draft numbers that we've got, the Green Bay Packers, if they wanted pick number 22, Seattle would give up 40, their third rounder, pick number 72, and 109, their fourth round pick. Now, that might seem like a lot to move up to just get to number 22, but you still have pick 41. So if you wanted to trade down and recoup some picks that way, you still got a second rounder and you also have all the late day three picks that you have. But this would be your opportunity to jump over a few teams that don't have quarterbacks that could make trades with another team that's looking for a QB. You can leapfrog and put yourself in a position where you can get the signal caller that you want. Or if it's not a quarterback, you get the player you want before somebody else beats you to the punch. And this is another one that's very even. Seattle actually would come plus five on this one. They give up 248. Green Bay gives up 253. Yeah, I, I think that that selection make or that that uh, trade up makes a lot of sense. But I'll be honest with you, Corbin, the one that makes the most sense uh, in my mind would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, and they, of course, select way much lower, number 30 overall, 29 and 30 uh, overall in, in this year's draft class because of the Tyreek Hill trade. Um, but their general manager, Brett Veach, had just kind of uh, come out on record and said basically he is concerned that he's not going to have any players that the, the, the Chiefs view as first-round caliber prospects available to them at that spot. Th that sounds like a for-sale sign if I have ever seen it. Um, and, and so I think that Seattle, if they are in fact going to look to trade back up in the late portion of the first round, presumably for a quarterback, but we've seen a number of clubs in recent years move back up to be able to take players of other positions. Let's say that Seattle goes with the offensive tackle at number nine overall or cornerback. Um, I really love the depth of this year's edge rusher class that we've talked about so many times. I think that it makes some sense for Seattle to trade back up in the late portion of the first round, not just for a signal caller, but perhaps for somebody who's going to try to take down those signal callers. Clearly, edge rusher is a huge area of concern. 
And I also like the idea of Seattle, you know, trading with a team in the AFC rather than the NFC. I think that is just the way that the, the Seahawks are a little bit more wired. Sure. They've made a lot of deals with some of the other clubs in the AFC, Philadelphia, Green Bay being a couple of them. But Kansas City as well has been somebody that um, the Seahawks have worked with in the past. So the, the, the one of the trade scenarios I think is really intriguing is it going to allow Seattle to keep that number 41 overall selection, that second round pick as we talked about a little bit earlier without that potential Green Bay trade. But Seattle trading their second round pick, number 40, and their third round pick, number 72 overall, to move up to number 30. 30, Kansas City selection, as well as retain the, the 135th overall pick, a, a selection in the fourth round. So basically a two and a three for a one and a four. And that, to me, would have to make an awful lot of sense. If Seattle had a guy at number 30 overall, whether it be a quarterback or an edge rusher, to me, that would be the two positions I think would make the most sense. And I absolutely think Seattle would be able to get an immediate impact kind of prospect. And I fully expect Kansas City to trade one of those selections. So to me, this is the most plausible of all the scenarios that we've highlighted so far. Yeah, there's two other teams that jump out to me. I really quick want to mention the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because – They're kind of an interesting one because, you know, Tom Brady can't play forever and he was trying to go to Miami. At least that's what the reports indicate. And it seems to me like there is some teeth to that story at this point, that that's what Tom Brady wanted to do. And he really didn't want to retire. He just wanted to go to another part of Florida and play and be a part owner for the Dolphins. But that's beside the point. Tampa Bay is kind of in a tough spot. They're in win now mode with Tom Brady coming back and a new head coach, but They don't have very many picks. They only have five selections. If the right player's not there, Tampa Bay trading down, and this is one of those rare trades, the Rich Hill chart actually draws dead even at 216 apiece, and it would look like this. Pick 27 going to the Seahawks for pick 40 and pick 72. So you're giving up one of your second rounders and a third rounder to move up to number 27. You retain your 41st pick in the second round, as well. Again, that cuts completely even 216 points to 216 points. The other trade that I think could make a lot of sense, and I've done this a few times on some just practice mock draft run throughs. The Buffalo Bills are another team at 25. They don't need a quarterback. They might want a few more picks later in the draft that aren't first rounders that are a little cheaper that they can fit into their salary cap. That is a team you might be able to talk to. And this would be one of those rare three for three trades Buffalo giving up pick 25, 57, and 231 for Seattle's two second-round picks, 40 and 41. They're still going to get a second-rounder with pick 57, and Seattle also gives up its fourth-round selection, 109. That trade would be 327 given up by Seattle, 328 given up by Buffalo. So, again, another trade that if you look at the points – It's basically dead even. I think any of these five trades, if John Schneider and the general managers for these other teams see these trade proposals, they might want to write them down because that is as perfect as it's going to get on the Rich Hill trade chart. I could see one of these unfolding on Thursday night. No, I I could as well. Uh, I think that there is a possibility that Seattle is going to be very, very aggressive and look to trade back into the first round to be able to, you know, add some of these kind of immediate impact prospects. That said, I do think that the most likely scenario might be the Seattle trading down a little bit. I love the talent in the second and third and frankly, the fourth round of this year's draft class. And I think that the Seahawks do as well. I think that they're going to be loath to give up a bunch of players, but again, 
Obviously, without Russell Wilson on this team, if Seattle does decide that they have a quarterback that they absolutely love, I'm not so sure that they're going to be willing to roll the dice that he is going to be available at number 40 and 41. And so it does, there is, I think, a very believable scenario in which Seattle would get hyper-aggressive and decide to move back up. And so it certainly is going to be a fascinating draft from a Seattle perspective. And there's a number of different ways they could go here. You mentioned, you know, I think they'll trade back. We've seen John Schneider make as many as six trades in a single draft weekend. It's possible they could trade back from number nine, and then they could trade back into the first round, and then they could trade back with one of their second round picks. I mean, there's all kinds of different scenarios here. If you want to get really creative, there's a bunch of mock draft simulators out there. Get a couple days left till the real deal. Go have yourself some fun. Make some trades. You know John Schneider enjoys that, and so I'm getting fired up. We are only three days away from the real deal. Seahawks have a top 10 pick. They might have two first rounders before it's all said and done going to be an exciting Thursday night in the Pacific Northwest. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out the Locked on Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be 48 hours away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. Rob and I will finish off our dual mock drafts looking at our seventh round selections, and we'll start to make some predictions what we think is going to unfold on Thursday night through Saturday in Las Vegas, 2022 NFL Draft. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.